Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the TP Podcast. It sounded really weird. Uh, what? Quick question. What is the first thing that happens when you typically get home from somewhere? Do you get into an argument? Maybe with your dog? This is, this is an everyday occurrence for me to where... As soon as I walk in the door, Padme starts barking and howling, which is fine. Of course, I don't even have to walk in the door for that to start. As soon as I pull in the driveway, you can see her on the back of the couch, throw her head back, and start barking. Um, But today, I came home from work, and... um, I left her in the living room while I was messing around in the kitchen for a couple of minutes. And the entire time, we were just having a back and forth where she just keeps barking and howling. And I'm sitting there, I'm standing, walking around the kitchen, arguing back with this dog, as I do all the time. And I'm, I just keep making empty threats to her, as I have done my entire life with all of the animals that we've ever had. I'm just telling her that I'm going to throw her, or I'm going to beat her up. And uh, she doesn't buy it, of course. And so, as I'm trying to make these empty threats, she's interrupting me, which I find very rude. Uh, if we're going to have an argument, let me in on this argument, all right? Like, don't interrupt me, pup, as she is now just sleeping next to me on the floor on her little doggy bed. Yep. So, yeah, that is my, that is my quick Padme story. Every, all the time. I could leave the room, if I go to the bathroom to take a shit, and I'm gone for, like, a while, that's basically what happens, is it's like, oh my god, I haven't seen you in ages. It's like, no, it's been like 20 minutes. Let's relax a little bit. Same thing happens when I get up in the morning, and I go take a shower, and then I come back, I've only been gone like 30, 40 minutes in the other room, right on the other side of the wall. And we go through this same routine. And then she's running around the house, all excited. She's insane. But that's fine. Wouldn't trade her for nothing. Uh, Anyways, let's get into some sports talk. Um, We're going to switch it up. We're not going to start with NASCAR this time. I think that's where I normally start, either that or football. I feel like NASCAR is the one. Anyways, we're going to start with some baseball. I got to watch the Phillies on Sunday night. I hadn't watched, I haven't watched a baseball game in a while, a couple of months. And I saw that the Phillies were on, and I was like, sweet, I'm going to go ahead and watch this. And my intention was to flip back and forth between that and 
whatever football games, <clears throat> which is kind of what I was doing with the football games uh, because I was playing MLB The Show, working on my, uh, uh, what is it called, Road to the Show career, and I'm still stuck in double-A. I can't get out of double-A baseball. Although I did get invited to spring training at the beginning of this season, the second season. All right, so that's pretty cool. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't make the roster because I still suck. So while I am playing this game and trying to not suck so bad, it also took like a month in the game, game-wise, a month for me to finally hit a home run again. Uh, if you go back to last season or the season before, it had been almost two months. I don't know what I did, but I couldn't hit. <clears throat> I was struggling all over the place. Anyway, so while I'm playing this game, I have my phone on Hulu and I'm watching. I'm going back and forth between the Buccaneers and Falcons game and the Chargers and Cowboys game. And I'm basically just listening uh to what's going on and if something interesting is starting to happen you know the the change in the the voices of the broadcasters then i'll pause it and i'll look over so that's what i did until i found out the phillies were on or about to be on and i was like i gotta save this game so i think something broke on here what is this it's a piece of plastic from the case on my laptop all right I don't know how that broke. A thing never leaves the desk. How does it break? I don't know. Anyways, so I'm watching. I decide to watch this game, and they ended up losing to the Mets. The first inning was pretty sweet because Bryce Harper uh, ended up scoring a run after he got walked on a JT Real Muto double, and Bryce just decided... Fuck your stop sign, third base coach. I'm going to run right through this. And he was way safe at home. And that was pretty cool. So they held a one nothing lead for a while. Ended his 14-game, I believe, hit streak that he had going because he went hitless on Sunday night, unfortunately. They ended up losing. But for me, it was kind of cool to get to see them play again because I hadn't watched them play in months. Kyle Gibson looks pretty good. Uh, so, I mean, not like that's really a big surprise uh, due to the fact that... Whoa, what did I just end up on? Uh, due to the fact that he was traded for um, and I get the alerts telling me Nope, that's not what I want. Telling me how he does. Or how the game goes, I should say. Um, I'm trying to look at something here. That's not what I wanted. Is it? I don't think it is. Anyways, so... Oh, look at that. The Eagles have just placed tight end Zach Ertz on the reserve COVID list. Well, he must have had the sniffles, and they decided that he was COVID positive, whatever. I'm trying to find something, and I'm not 
finding it. Anyways, I'll just get out of this because this is distracting. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to get to see him play. Uh, I ended up watching the entire game. And then once the Sunday night game between the Ravens and the Chiefs came on, I kind of flipped back and forth between those two. But I was more so invested in the Phillies-Mets matchup. And again, unfortunately, they ended up losing late in the game. A couple runs ended up scoring, and the Mets took the lead, and the Phillies couldn't do anything. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Freddie Galvis ended up getting hit in the left knee on a pitch, so that was painful to watch. And you could hear... You, I, I couldn't hear the the ball hit him, but I could hear his reaction, and it was just a oh, like as soon as he got hit, and he dropped to the ground, and he ended up staying in the game. It was already, I think that was this was in the ninth inning, and he stayed in the game, and Bryce Harper ended up coming up to bat, and um, they couldn't do anything, so unfortunately, but. Here's something while watching the game that I kind of, and then I'll get into the actual topics that I have brought up here. Something that I I don't remember hearing before, and that is the pitchers making noise when they release the ball. Like, you know, when you hear people lifting weights and they're like, ugh, like that. Or when they're fucking, I guess. Uh... You could go that route. But they they sounded like they were putting everything they had into every pitch. And I don't recall watching any games, you know, a few years back where you would hear that. So I don't know if maybe it's microphones that they've got now that pick up better sound or if they just had that part turned down on the microphones that were faced or pointed towards the pitchers back then as opposed to now? I don't know. But it was weird and kind of distracting because I'm like, man, it sounds like they're struggling out there, and then they they really weren't. Um, so it's just weird. Uh, but anyway, so the MVP race, they talked about it on Sunday Night Baseball a little bit between... In the AL, it's really down to two players, and in, I think 90% of the people, if you were to ask them, would say it's, it's, it's a lock that it's going to be Shohei Otani uh, for the AL MVP. The other person is Vlad Guerrero Jr., who leads in basically every hitting category that you can lead in, and if he's not in the lead, he's like second, third, or fourth. And he just took over the home run lead last week. And Otani's kind of, as they said on the broadcast, kind of leveled off. And the fact that he's, you know, we're not getting all of these updates saying that he's hitting home runs so much anymore, uh, I think that's pretty accurate to say. But as as cool as it would be to see... Vlad Guerrero Jr. win the American League MVP. 
I think it has to go to Shohei because there's, as Buster Olney pointed out, there's, you would have to go back to like 1919 or whatever he said, back to when Babe Ruth was putting up monster numbers as a hitter and a pitcher. And really the baseball world hasn't seen anything like that since Babe Ruth way back in the day, over a hundred years ago. So I don't know how, regardless of how he finishes off these last couple of weeks, I think he has to be the MVP because you can't let the last two, three, four weeks say that he's not the MVP anymore if he's kind of fallen off and he's not whatever. Because the first six months before that, he was dominant almost every time he stepped out onto the field. So to me, it's a no-brainer that he has to be the AL MVP. And more than likely... This season will never happen again. Regardless of how good Shohei ends up being in the long run, this season is just, for him, incredible. And I don't think you can possibly have that reoccur anytime soon. Vlad Guerrero Jr., on the other hand, I think clearly the dude has the talent to be able to put up these kind of hitting numbers again, it also helps that his dad was amazing. So that's genetics. He's got a lot of things working for him here in terms of the longevity side of things to be able to win multiple MVPs. And he'll definitely be in the race for a while, a long time, probably the next 10 years at least. Um, Shohei will also probably be in that mix, but he most likely won't be the front runner like he's been this year. I just, I think it's, it's extremely difficult to catch lightning in a bottle twice. And I think this year was that time and it's kind it, it seems like it's slowly slipping away as the season goes on. And if they get into the play, I don't know if, I don't know if they're even, uh, uh, if they even have a shot at the playoffs. Um, playoffs? Who? No, the Angels aren't making the playoffs. Um, so yeah, he he's got a couple of weeks left. It doesn't matter what he what what these last couple of weeks show from Showtime. I just. I think he has to be it. I think he has to be the American League MVP because we'll most likely never see this again in our lifetime. It'll probably probably be another 100 years before something like this happens again. It'd be amazing and really cool if it didn't take 100 years. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Most of us probably won't be along, uh, along around to see if it happens again in a hundred years, you know, a hundred or more years down the line. But 
course, the world might also not be if the people who are running the world are continuing to run the world the way they are. And, I mean, then we're going to be screwed. Anyways, on the National League side, um, it's a little more dicey because Fernando Tatis Jr. was the front runner for a long time this season. You almost have the same situation in the National League as you do the American League. The only the only real difference is that instead of a pitcher and a hitter, you have two hitters. Um, it was Tatis Jr., but no more as San Diego continues to fade and... Probably doesn't help things that him and uh, Manny Machado got into an argument in the dugout the other night. That's probably not going to help things uh, team-wise. So the new front runner as of right now is Phillies outfielder Bryce Harper. And I'm pretty stoked about that because the dude, amazing. I've been saying MVP all year. It not just because he's with the Phillies. I liked him when he got drafted by the Nationals. I thought the dude was amazing, and I was like, damn, I wish the Phillies would have got this dude. Like, that's how I felt when he got drafted. There was a lot of hype around him. He lived up to a lot of it, and he's still living up to a lot of it. Obviously, it's not... I think Mike Trout is probably the only one that's lived up to the hype as best as you can, and even then, he's kind of fallen short, you know, on what everybody thought he was going to do, bring multiple World Series wins to the Angels and whatever. But Harper, on the other hand, he seems to be, like, right on the line of great, and if he dips below that, it's not much. And he's still one of the best in the league. And he's put on a hell of a performance over the last month or two, I believe it's been. And, you know, when when the Phillies needed hot bats, his heated up in the best way. Uh, Reese Hoskins was another one for the Phillies who, who was hitting really, really well. Uh, and then he had a hamstring injury, and then he was out for a little bit, and then he was back in, and then he has some sort of an abdominal issue, I believe is what it was, and now he's out for the season because I think he had surgery. I don't know. But Harper is your front runner right now. Tatis Jr. is still in the mix, and I think there's a couple other players, if I can um, find it again. I think it was on another article that I had pulled up that I don't have pulled up anymore. Um, but I think Freddie Freeman might have been one, and there was somebody else. There's like four or five total players that are it basically in the running. But I think the way that they're, you know, the odds makers are kind of looking at things is that it's now it's Bryce Harper's award to lose. Uh, And I don't think it kind of goes along with the Otani thing 
Um, although it's more just on Otani on that side, it doesn't matter how he fares the last couple of weeks. I think he wins it, or he should win it, regardless. Harper, on the other hand, it doesn't. I don't think it matters where the Phillies finish because there's the team is just so spotty. But for him, I think he has to stay hot. Otherwise, he could lose this race and maybe Tatis wins the MVP for the National League or Freeman or, or whoever. Uh, Juan Soto is another one. And Max Muncy, it's in this article. I just looked right past it. Um, so those are the other ones. You have Harper and Tatis. You have Max Muncy. You have Freddie Freeman and Juan Soto. Those are your guys that are at the top of the list on most likely to win the National League MVP. And again, Harper is the favorite as of right now. Um, just kind of a quick look at things in terms of like divisions and um, who has a shot at winning their division. Uh, you really only have two divisions that are two games or less apart. You have in the NL West, the San Francisco Giants are a game, have a game lead on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then it's not even close because San Diego is two, uh, 20 and a half games behind in third place. In the NL Central, Milwaukee is going to run away with it. They have an 11 and a half lead, game lead over uh, the Cardinals. The. AL West, Houston has a six-game lead over Oakland. The White Sox have an 11-game lead over Cleveland. Uh, Tampa Bay has a six-and-a-half-game lead over Boston. So really, those aren't even... Nobody cares. You basically already know who's going to win those divisions, uh, even if it's not confirmed yet. It's highly unlikely that over the next couple of weeks, say the White Sox lose every single game and Cleveland wins every single game and they get into the, you know, they win their division or something crazy like that. Or Tampa Bay somehow loses a six and a half game lead over Boston over the next couple of weeks before the end of the season. I just, I don't see that happening. Um, Atlanta has a two game lead over Philadelphia. They end up playing each other next week, I think it is. Um, I think it's in Atlanta, so that'll probably be for the division, most likely. And then I think the Phillies in the season against Miami. I'm not sure if it's in Miami or Philadelphia. But again, that could also... It could go down to the last game of the season on who wins that division. It could do this, you know, we could have the same situation in the NL West between the Giants and the Dodgers because there's only a game that separates them. So I think those two divisions, those four teams, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, In the wild card race, as of right now, um, 
I don't understand this. Hold on a second here. The Dodgers. Oh, okay. I was somehow I confused myself. The Dodgers have a a sixteen game lead um, over anybody else in the National League for the wild card spot. The Cardinals. They're the other team that could get in. The Reds are three games back. The Phillies are three and a half, and the San Diego Padres are three and a half. In the American League, the the two teams that are in right now, the wild card are Boston and Toronto, with the Yankees a game and a half back, the Oakland A's two games back, and Seattle, the Mariners are four games back. So pretty close. I don't know if Seattle gets there. I don't know if uh, San Diego gets there either. It's going to be close. They're all, I mean, but they're the same three and a half back as the Phillies. I mean, that's kind of, damn, that's all close. Wow. I think that's going to come down to the wire. All right. Anyways, so with that, it's pretty crazy. Baseball season coming to an end. Man. When? I don't know. Anyways, so let's move on here. My phone is going crazy. Um, nope. All right. So let's jump. Um, because crisscross makes you want to. Ah, uh, that was so dumb. My music references are terrible. Speaking of music, I've been on a Frank Sinatra kick for a, a while. It comes and goes, but over the weekend, it it stuck, and I've been listening to Sinatra all weekend, and he's been stuck in my head for about a week now, and so I decided to just create a playlist on... Spotify. So that's what I did. It's like two hours long uh, of songs, and it's probably not even all of the songs. I mean, obviously, it's not all of his songs. I I went through and played little clips of them, and I was like, ooh, that one, I like how that one sounds, so I added it. Of course, I haven't gone through every song that he's ever made. Uh, That would probably take a really long time. But I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I can't get... Sinatra, one of the greatest vocalists of all time, out of my head. So that's where we're at right now. Um, and we're also in the Xfinity series, because we're going to talk, we're not really, because I'm not good at driving. I mean, I'm good at, never mind. Anyways, where is, oh, I remember where it is. So in the Xfinity series, you had quite the wild finish. So as they're coming to, what was it, overtime, maybe? I don't know what it was. But they had a green-white checkered finish, I believe is, excuse you, is what happened. And you had Austin Sendrick restart on the outside with A.J. Allmendinger on his inside. And as they go down into turn one, everything's fine and normal. And I'm trying to remember, I think that's Augire in the seven uh, behind them. And as they come off a of turn two, 
it gets pretty close with Almendinger being right there. They go into three. Almendinger kind of dives down in there. He drifts up the track into the side of Cendric as they come off four. And they get sideways a little bit. And that opens up the door for Allgaier as they're three wide for a moment. And then they go down into turn one. Allgaier takes second away. He kind of slides up into Cendric. That opens the door back for A.J. Allmendinger, who slides by on the inside. And as he gets by, the other two, Cendric and Allgaier, collect. And as they're kind of beating and banging, Riley Herbst comes into the picture. And he gets caught into this. So now, him and Allgaier are bouncing off of each other going down the backstretch. And Cendric kind of pulls away. And he's trying to chase back down Almendinger as they go into three and four. They come off a of four. Cendric driving hard, kind of runs into the side and a little bit into the back of Almendinger. Both cars end up sliding across the start finish line with Almendinger getting the win. And as they, after they cross the start finish line, the two cars slide down into the inside wall. They bounce off of it. Uh, Almendinger more than Cendric as he drifts back up the track, gets hit pretty hard. I'm not sure who that is that hit him. Uh, I believe Justin Haley. Oh, his teammate. Nice. Hit him in the driver's side as he was up against the fence in turn one. And uh, yeah, what a wild finish to the Xfinity Series race. And Almendinger couldn't get the car, I assume couldn't get the car to refire. So he could not take it to victory lane. I don't know if it ended up there or not. Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I haven't seen any pictures of it in victory lane. Uh, whoa. Coca-Cola will make you do that. Um, but he ended up getting out kind of... Um, waving to the crowd and fist bumping and stuff like that, and or pumping his fists in the air, not fist bumping. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to maybe say. And ended up having to go into the infield care center. He hopped right into the ambulance, and they took him away. Um, oh, here's the... I think this is the contact between Chase and Harvick that cut down Chase's tire. With like 50 laps to go in the Cup Series race, my internet spectrum, thank you for this, decided to just cut out and quit working. I've had more issues with spectrum in three months than I've had them, four months, three months, than I had with the previous provider in six years. So... Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, it's fast when it works, but then it when it doesn't want to work, it's a pain in the dick. Um, so for like 50 laps, or for the last 50 laps, there's a huge chunk of it that I didn't get to see. This being one of the scenes where Harvick and Elliot get into each other uh, the first time, and it cuts down Chase Elliott's left front tire, but that's in the... Cup Series race, so we'll come back to that. Um, in the Xfinity Series, like I said, you had Albendinger win, who 
also won the regular season championship, which is the first for calling racing. So that's pretty cool. Austin Sendrick, Riley Herbst, Justin Allgaier, Brandon Jones, your top five with Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, Matt Snyder, Sam Meyer, and Daniel Hemrick, your top 10. What does... All right. I was trying to look to see what the playoffs look like for them. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty wild, that's a pretty wild finish to a race. And we had, like I kind of already started to get into with the Cup Series, a pretty wild finish there. So here is your playoff standings for the Xfinity Series with Austin Sendrick uh, in the lead. Actually, he's tied with A.J. Allmendinger with 2,044 points. Uh, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, Justin Haley, Daniel Hemrick, Jeb Burton, and Harrison Burton are your top eight. Um, your bubble drivers are Matt Snyder, Brandon Jones, Riley Herbst, and Jeremy Clements. And like I said, I don't really pay that close attention to the Xfinity series, so I can't make a predicament on who... Uh, will be out after their first round. But I'm going to guess that two out of these four in Matt Snyder and Jeremy Clements are going to be not advancing to the round of eight when the Xfinity Series gets to that point. So anyway, let's jump on up to the Cup Series and pick up where I left off with Harvick and Elliott kind of getting into each other. And it cut Chase's left front tire, which forces him to pit under green. Now, at Bristol, when you pit under green, you're going to lose two, three laps at least. Um, So it's not a surprise that Chase ended up a couple of laps down. Which brings us to the end of the race. Harvick has the lead. He's got a second, second and a half, whatever it was, half a second. I'm not sure. It was somewhere around there. He's got, a, uh, he's got that lead over Kyle Larson. And the laps are ticking down. Everybody who's watching is thinking Harvick has this. He's going to get his first win on the season. He's, he's going to launch himself and all of this momentum is going to carry them throughout the rest of the playoffs and they're going to start winning races and they're going to look dominant. I think anybody with a half a mind was making all of these connections and then Chase Elliott happens. He catches up to Chase who is by this point I believe he's three laps down, but he might only be two. But either way, he's a couple laps down. He's not a factor. He, he shouldn't be in the way, basically, of the race leaders because he's not fighting to stay on the lead lap. He's already secured a spot in the next round by this point based off of points. He's not going to lose a position if he gets passed by the leader again, he's still going to be in 23rd or whatever hell position he was in at the time. He's still going to be in that spot just one more lap down. 
which isn't, it means nothing, essentially, in the grand scheme of things. It's, it, it means absolutely nothing. But Harvick catches up to him. Chase decides he's going to run him hard. He's going to block. This causes Kyle Larson to catch up. Larson ends up passing Harvick and takes the lead and goes on to win the race. Um, Harvick fought back pretty hard. Um, probably the hardest you can without directly wrecking somebody. And he ended up getting underneath the back of Kyle Larson's car going down the front stretch at one point, and they, he got Larson pretty loose going into turn one. Uh, but Larson is just so good um, at tracks where you have to run or where the high line is it works really well. And at Bristol, because they have the multi-grooves now ever since the repave a few years back, that top line, once it comes in, it's basically the preferred line. At least it was. Now it kind of seems like the bottom's kind of coming back. Um, and it looks like the old Bristol is coming back. You know, the one from the 90s and before. Anyways, so Kyle Larson, he goes on and, uh, like I said, he wins the race. I'm, I'm watching some more replay or some a replay of the last lap here and nothing happens after Harvick gets side by side with Chase so after the race Elliot and Harvick understandably not happy with each other and Harvick basically followed Elliot down the uh, pit road and they both got out of their cars Chase Ended up taking his helmet off. Harvick, I don't know if he was just so furious that he didn't feel like he had the time to take his off, but he got out with his helmet on, which a lot of people are in the comments sections on all of the posts basically calling him a little baby or a little bitch or uh, you know whatever the hell they want to call him for leaving his helmet on. I... I don't like it personally. If you're going to go after somebody, take the helmet off. But I also get it. Like, you're so frustrated that you don't want to... That's one less thing that you have to deal with. You're just worried about getting out of the car and voicing your frustration to this other person. So I understand that. Um, what I don't like... Well, let's... I'll come back to that. So they end up having some words that we can't hear outside of their cars. They're in each other's face. And when, when uh, Harvick is interviewed, he goes on to say that it was kind of a chicken shit move that, that he did there at the end. I think it's supposed to be what he did there at the end. That might be a typo. Uh, they can boo all they want, I don't care, because at that point the fans were booing, obviously because Chase is the most popular driver in the sport. Um, kind of like Dale Earnhardt Jr. 
when anybody had an issue with him, they were public enemy number one, and the fans would boo that driver, regardless of if that driver was in the right or not. Um, to me, the real chicken shit move is NASCAR, and their hypocrisy in terms of a few years ago with their coming out and saying, you know, we are listening to the fans and, you know, boys have at it. And then a couple of guys go to have at it. And as soon as one touches the other in any kind of way, you've got NASCAR going, fuck, 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 send everybody down there and let's split them up. That's not boys have at it. What are you doing? You're, you're ruining your own product. You want ratings. You want excitement. You want storylines. You're getting rid of all three of those things by putting people in between. And that's not helping the situation at all. All that's doing is making the drivers more furious because they can't get to the other person to release that anger and however they see fit, whether it's verbally or physically, if they want to fight, let them fucking fight. Who gives a shit? That's between them. Let these two drivers handle it the way they feel like they need to handle it. If they want to verbally yell at each other for a half hour, let them do that. Get the NASCAR officials out of there. Get the security out of there. They can stand around and keep other people from intervening, keep the pit crews from getting involved. Do that. Let these two drivers go at it however they see fit. There's absolutely no reason to have officials jump in there and there's 10 of them in between these two drivers. It's, it's ridiculous. You're getting, you're, you're ruining your own product by doing that. You want the drama. There's, you'll have more storylines if these, if these two guys got into a physical altercation. You're going to be able to ride on that for weeks. All the way into the offseason and into February when they go back to Daytona to start next season. You can ride on that but you got rid of it because you decided that your term of boys have at it and going back old school was not really. I mean, I don't understand the thought process on this at all. Like, how can you say that you want them, you know, we listen to the fans. We're going to let these drivers handle things but then you don't let the drivers handle things. Now, after all of this, and after both interviews, Chase Elliott ended up saying in his interview, I don't care who he is or how long he's been doing it, I'm going to stand up for myself and my team. Cool. I agree with that. I agree with both of them, by the way, right here. What I don't agree with was Chase being multiple laps down having nothing to lose and nothing to gain, blocking the leaders. 
Because if the roles were reversed, and I'm a big Chase guy, if the roles were reversed, he would be in the same state of mind that Kevin Harvick was in at that moment. He'd be pissed off at that driver that laps, multiple laps down driver for putting up a fight when they had nothing to gain and nothing to lose. He'd be pissed off at that person and he'd want to go have some words with them. And the other driver would be doing what Chase was doing and defending their actions and saying, hey, look, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the most popular driver in the sport. I'm going to stand up for myself. You're not going to cut my tire down and then bitch and complain because I blocked you and you didn't win. That's not... Come on. Like, I get it. You're upset because you feel like your tire getting cut down cost you a chance at the win, which it probably did. Chase was strong. As, you know, he's been all season, really. Harvick was strong. Looked like he was going to win. So really, it's just two unfortunate incidents. The second one stemming from the first one. And here you have it. But this kind of stuff, this is going to sell tickets, especially if you let them handle it themselves. It's going to sell tickets. It's going to put people back in the stands, which is what NASCAR wants. You're going to be able to fill Bristol all the way up because I don't think it was at 100% over the weekend. I know it wasn't for the Xfinity Series, which most Xfinity Series races aren't anyways, even pre um, disease. And so, yeah, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand how you can just throw officials in there in between these guys and think that's okay. It's not okay. I mean, I know you don't want your product to get injured, but they're doing 150 on a half mile racetrack with 38 other drivers. They're already in danger. Let them punch each other in the face if they feel like that's what they need to do to feel better. I, I just... Anyways, they went on to um, argue some more after all of that. And what I thought was really funny was the fact that after their interviews, they ended up going off to the side and um, they, they're, they're having a conversation. And as they're having this conversation, Kevin Harvick's, I don't know who he was, but he's some guy for, that works for Harvick, was standing there. And he starts chirping in and laughing and chirping in. And Chase just looks at him as... And basically, from what I gathered, was just like, hey, man, this isn't, this has nothing to do with you. This is about between me and him, talking about him and Harvick. And the guy just kind of laughs it off. You, ha- you are an ir- irrelevant guy. 
fuck off. Okay? Nobody gives a shit. Just go laugh somewhere else. You're not going to help the situation because Harvick is clearly the more pissed off driver of these two at this moment. And you doing that kind of shit, just standing there chirping and, and laughing at everything that Chase says in that smart-assy way, which I know I, I've done it, that's not going to help anything. That's going to make Chase, the more calm of the two drivers, more upset. And more on the level of pissed off that Harvick was at. And now you've got two drivers who are going to be equally pissed off. One pissed off at the other driver. One more pissed off at you because you're antagonizing. You're not helping yourself in this situation, guy. Just take a few steps back. Let them handle it. They are grown adults. Let them do their thing. You don't need to be there. Take a few steps back and just fuck off. So then they end up moving this conversation. They're kind of, uh, I don't really want to say that one's trying to walk away from the other, but they're kind of walking and talking and they end up over by, I don't know what it was they were next to. And this reporter is standing there with his phone up and he's recording it. I assume video because of the way he had it sitting and facing. And Harvick catches him and is and turns to him and is basically was like, "Hey, can you not do that?" And then turns back to Chase after the guy puts his hand down. They start talking. He raises his hand back up. Harvick turns to him and is like, "Hey, could you not do that?" Then he goes back to talking with Chase, And the guy raises his hand back up. And what I thought was super hilarious, these two drivers are not happy with each other. And as soon as Harvick turns and starts talking to Chase again, the guy raises his hand and Chase just looks at Harvick and points at the other guy, the reporter. And Harvick just looks at him like, I I can't believe you're this stupid. And then just those two, Harvick and Chase, go off, and they're walking in between the haulers, and they end up going into Chase Elliott's uh, car hauler, and that's where everything left off. So, NASCAR not being able to let these drivers go about um, their venting of their frustrations however they see fit with another driver not letting them handle it how they want to handle it, whether it's physically or verbally or nothing at all. That should be between the drivers. NASCAR should not intervene. Chase should not have um, dictated the outcome of the race like he did. Uh, That's also an issue. Some people in the comments were saying that Chase needs to sit out the rest of the year and be... No, that's stupid. Should he... Maybe like a fine, sure, I guess. But I wouldn't even do that if I was in that position. I'd be like, look, dude, you can't do these kinds of things and then cry when they get done to you too. Like, I don't, you just, that doesn't make sense. Let's not do that. Um, but congratulations to Kyle Larson for never giving up on the race and continuing to fight and pounce on the opportunity that was literally handed to him by his teammate um, to 
win at Bristol, a place that he had never won at before, and to help regain that momentum going into the next round of the playoffs, the round of 12. And I think, I think this brings a little bit of that momentum back for, for Larson after the last couple of weeks where he's kind of had some issues later in the race and hasn't been able to close the deal. Um, but I just, and then, you know, the reporter have the respect of these drivers that you make your living off of to not record them if they don't want to be recorded. I get it. The TV camera was pointed on them, but we're not picking up the audio. You, on the other hand, are three feet away. You're the only other reporter in the area, and you've got your phone out. Record. If they tell you to not do that, don't do it. It's not that hard. Maybe, like, take notes and write your article with that. Or maybe just do an audio recording, but don't make it noticeable, and then just write off of that. Don't release the audio, just write off of that, off of what you've recorded. You don't need a video for everything. That was that's simply just trying to get the video so that they can release it on the onto Twitter and get all of the clicky clicks from everybody. That's all that is. That's it has nothing to do with the journalism side of it. It's all about the attention and getting those clicks and drawing in that traffic. It has nothing to do with creating a good story or facts for that matter because that's lacking in journalism. It's literally just terrible story after terrible story. And it's not because it's a bad, they're only writing about bad things. It's they're, they, they're just bad at writing. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of issues I have with what happened Saturday night. Um, but ultimately I think Harvick was in the right to be mad at Chase. I think I made that point clear. I think NASCAR needs to learn what boys have at it actually means and then let the drivers do that. And if they're not going to let the drivers do that, then let's come out and say, hey, you know, we're going to treat you guys like children um, instead of saying that we're going to treat you like adults, but then we're going to really treat you like children. And then when people bring it up, we're going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. They're still, they're adults. We're going to let it, we're going to treat them and talk to them like they're adults. No, you, you baby them. Just come out and say that that's what you're doing. Like, it's not that difficult. It's not like you're going to lose fans. Everybody already knows that's what's going on. (sighs) That's how I feel about that. I'm already exhausted. Of course, it doesn't help that I also work today. So, anyways, your drivers who advance to the next round are Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., and Denny Hamlin. Obviously, off of wins for two of them, and points off of Larson, and then he just added the win on top of it. Uh, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and William Byron was the last one to sneak in. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Christopher Bell, and Kevin Harvick were the four that were 
uh, are are on the bubble. This is I'm looking at the round of eight because I'm an idiot. So uh, Byron is not the last one to sneak in. Logano, Keselowski, Bell, and Harvick. Harvick was the last one to sneak in, but that would have set him up better had he actually won the race. That would have helped him tremendously points wise. Almarola, Tyler Reddick. Uh, Kurt Busch and Michael McDowell were the four that were eliminated in the at the end of round the round of sixteen. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure I had three out of these four correct with Almarola, Reddick, and McDowell. I think Christopher Bell was the one that I had as the fourth driver and not Kurt Busch. I believe a couple of weeks ago when I made my predictions on who's going to advance, but I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I don't remember and I don't have it written down. Uh, but my prediction after the round of 12, which let's see, um, who come on, this takes too long to load. Um, that's the round of 16. The round of 12, you've got Las Vegas, Talladega, and the Charlotte Roval. So at the end of the round of 12, who are my drivers that are not going to make it? I think Christopher Bell does not make it. Um, I want to say Alex Bowman and William Byron are the other two. So we need one more driver and unfortunately, I think that'll end up being Brad Keselowski. So my prediction is Bowman the Showman, William Byron, Brad Keselowski, and Christopher Bell are the four drivers that will not advance to the round of eight. I think Harvick does, even though he's currently 12th and in the worst spot out of all of them, but he's 12 points back, so it's not that big a deal. Um, Las Vegas is where they're going next. And last year's winner was Kurt Busch, who is not in the playoffs, playoffs anymore. I don't think we're going to see a surprise winner at Vegas. Um, I think it's going to come down to a playoff driver. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if Harvick ended up winning at Vegas. I think that is his best opportunity over the next three races at Vegas, Talladega, and the Charlotte Roval. If it was the Oval at Charlotte and not the road course, I would say he has a chance to win there as well. But road courses, it's hard to bet against Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson as well, and Martin Truex Jr. So those three are, I would say, out of the 12 drivers in, that are left in the playoffs, those three are the top three picks to win that final race in this round. Talladega is a wild card. Who the hell knows what's going to happen there? Um, that place is crazy. Um, so I don't even have a prediction for that race, but Las Vegas, I think Harvick has the best, that's his best chance to win and secure and make sure that he goes on to advance to the round of eight um, but like I said, Bowman, Byron, Keselowski, and Bell, I think those are my four picks that will not advance to the next round. 
Now, for the final running order of Bristol, Kyle Larson won with Kevin Harvick in second, William Byron in third, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., Eric Jones. Wow, I did not know that he finished in eighth. Denny Hamlin and Matt DiBenedetto round out the top ten. I know my picks, my dark horse was DiBenedetto and... My not dark horse was Kyle Bush. Bush had a tire issue um, in the final stage, I think it was. So that cost him because he was running up inside the top 10. De Benedetto, for the most part, all night was around 20th. So really cool for him to work it back into 10th. I don't know how he did it, um, but that's awesome. So yeah, there's that. Vegas up next. And I don't know. I just, I think Harvick is coming back with a vengeance. And it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up not just winning, but dominating. I don't think he will dominate, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. I think Kyle Larson will end up dominating like he's done much of the season on any racetrack. So that's, that's what I think. Uh, the NFL, oh my goodness. So I, I opened up this article before I started this and it's notable injuries and news from Sunday's week two games. (sighs) Oh boy. I counted that are in this article, 39 players with injuries. One was ejected. So that's 40 total. Only, I think only like two or three had injuries going into the game. And I think, I don't know if they tried to play and then they just, they didn't end up playing. I'm not sure what the full extent of it was, but the big names that ended up getting hurt because it felt like, especially in the Browns game, and who were the Browns playing? Um, Shoot, I don't remember now. Help! I need somebody. Um, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Don't tell me. Give me the Texans. Damn it, that's right. So, I knew that. Um, but I, then I had to look it up. So, it felt like in the Browns-Texans game that it was every five minutes of real time, not game time, because that can take forever, But it felt like every five minutes there was an injury timeout because a player got hurt or they had cramps or something. I don't, it just, it felt like there was a lot of injuries. And to go through, I'm just going to run down the list that they have here. And they start with the, uh, at the top, near the top, is the Eagles, Brandon Graham. It's reported that he tore his Achilles. So he's going to be out for the season. Brandon Brooks. Their right guard, uh, he had some sort of pectoral injury, and he ended up leaving the game and didn't come back. The Browns, Jarvis Landry had a knee issue uh, in the first quarter and didn't return. Baker Mayfield, after throwing an interception, made a tackle, or was attempting to make the tackle. He got The, the runner ran into him, and he injured his non-throwing shoulder, his left shoulder. And he ended up leaving for a little bit of time, went back in the locker room, and then he came back. Evidently, he didn't miss a snap. 
but he he said that his shoulder popped in and out after making the tackle on that interception. And he came back in. He looked like he was still in some pain, but he played pretty damn well. Uh, the Dolphins quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, exited in the first quarter on Sunday against the Bills after he was just thrown into the turf. Um, I think the other player, the defender, ended up landing on top of him. But it was a rib injury, and he didn't come back for the rest of the game. Uh, Vikings running back Dalvin Cook limped off the field in the fourth quarter, but he came back for the final drive. Um, Let's see. It's reported that it was an ankle sprain, but they don't seem too concerned. Uh, The Steelers linebacker, who was just paid not that long ago, like big-time paid, T.J. Watt, was ruled out because of a groin injury against the Raiders. The Raiders went on to win, so sweet. Um, Trey Turner, one of their offensive linemen, this was the player who was ejected for unsportsmanlike conduct. Their coach, Mike Tomlin, told reporters after the game that somebody spit in Turner's face, and that's why he uh, acted the way that he did. And Tomlin argued with officials about the ejection, but clearly it didn't matter. And then at the very end of the game, the last play of the game, their receiver, Deontay Johnson, ended up suffering a knee injury. I still don't know what that was at the time of recording this. Uh, Let's see, who else? The Chicago Bears. Andy Dalton suffered a knee injury in the first half uh, and did not return. They don't believe that it's an ACL tear, so that's good. I mean, Dalton's not great, but you don't want to see him get hurt. Uh, at least I don't. I don't want to see player, players get uh, injured long-term injures, injuries. Injures? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's see. Colts quarterback Carson Wentz exited in the fourth quarter of Indy, uh, of Indianapolis's loss with an ankle injury. He didn't return, and backup Jacob Eason finished the game. Uh, let's see. Houston's quarterback Tyrod Taylor was ruled out against the Browns after injuring his hamstring during a touchdown run. Uh, there was a play where he was running to his left and nothing was going on. So he just kind of, it looked weird the way he kind of just like hopped and threw the ball out of bounds and the way that he reacted afterwards. Uh, they speculated during the broadcast that maybe that's when it where it came from, but I, this says that it happened during the touchdown run. So, um, but it was kind of weird that the backup, the rookie Davis Mills, ended up coming in uh, during the second half, and nobody knew what was going on for a while as to where Tyrod Taylor was. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else that's big? Not really. There's a cramping. But, yeah, like, what is what is going on in the NFL for all of these injury issues? Like, it just seems there's a lot. There's so many of them. Um, it's insane. Anyway, so for, for your Around the League, and because I'm recording this on Monday... The only game that hasn't happened yet is the Monday night game. The Packers uh, 
are hosting the Lions in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is 8-0 at home on Monday Night Football. Uh, Boy, after last week, who knows? But Jameis Winston fell back to earth after last week, and so maybe Aaron Rodgers will wake up. Who knows? Or Jared Goff will just run all over the Packers and the Lions will win and people will go, oh shit, maybe Goff isn't that bad. Uh, So your scores from around the league on Thursday, you had a wild one with the Washington football team squeaking out a win against the Giants 30-29. to I did not watch the end of that game because I was tired. And uh, it was kind of a snooze fest for the most part because I don't really care for either team. But, hey, whatever. What is this? McLaurin was the first Washington player with 10-plus catches, 100-plus yards, and a touchdown since Pierre Garçon in 2014. Good Lord. Uh, The Patriots dominated the Jets. Big surprise. 25-6, 25-6, to six. they've now won 11 straight games against the Jets. And at one point, um, oh shoot, I'm drawing, a, I'm drawing a blank. Zach something, damn it. Um, shit, hurry up and load so I can stop looking like a dumbass for this long. Stats. What is his name, Wilson? I'm sorry. Holy shit, I don't need... Fucking volume. I hate these automatic ads that play. That shit pisses me off. There's not even a passing section for the Jets. Was it that bad? Where is passing? I've got receiving and I've got rushing, but it doesn't tell me passing. It does for the Patriots. Mac Jones was 22 of 30 for 186 yards, but it doesn't. Wow. Wow. It, he must have been that bad to where they're not even going to put what his passing stats were. Is that his name? Is that... Why can I not think of... I want to say that's his name. I'm going to double-check this. Because it is Wilson. Damn. I hate doubting myself. Anyway, so Zach Wilson at one point had the same number of touchdowns as he does, or touchdowns, the same number of completions as he did interceptions, and that was three. Uh, And he threw three of them in a row, interceptions, I believe is what it was. Um, I think he ended the day with four picks. I don't know. But if you had, if you had uh, the um, Patriots defense on your fantasy team, you had to have put up a shit ton of points and if you lost in your fantasy league game uh in your game this week which is what i'm definitely going to do because i'm i'm terrible it's <sighs> depressing anyways the job the who i was going to try and say the giants and the jaguars at the same time but i don't know what that's not it the broncos beat the jaguars 23 to 13 uh, Jacksonville has now lost 17 straight games dating back to last season. It's tied for the longest streak since Detroit from 2007 to 2009 
That's hilarious. Uh, the Bills blanked the Dolphins 35 to nothing. It is the largest shutout win since week three of 1992 for Buffalo. The 49ers beat the Eagles 17 to 11. Um, I mean, young quarterback, young coach, young team in a lot of areas. I'm not really worried about it. I didn't have high hopes for the Eagles this season anyway, as long as they finish, you know, around 500. Obviously, you can't finish 500 anymore because of the 17th game. But if they can finish somewhere around that 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, if they can finish somewhere around there, cool. That's that that makes me feel better going into next season that they're better than four wins. Uh the Rams beat the Colts 27-24. Fourth straight season that the Rams have started um 2 and 0. And uh Matthew Stafford looks pretty damn good for the Rams. So I think that was a that was a genius trade on LA's part. The Raiders Beat the Steelers 26-17. Derek Carr had 350-plus passing yards and two uh, or more passing touchdowns in three straight games, which is the longest streak in Raider history. The Bears were able to beat the Bengals, Andy Dalton's old team, 20-17. to Chicago's defense had four takeaways in the second half. The Browns beat the Texans 31-21. to Cleveland is 6-0 in games following a loss under head coach Kevin Stefanski. That's pretty nifty. The Saints came back down to earth, or more, you know, Jameis Winston came back down to earth against the Carolina Panthers in, I believe it was a 26-7 loss or win for Carolina, if you want to go that route. I'm trying to pull up the stats and... This thing's taking forever. Jameis Winston, like I said, came crashing back down to earth. Had a, uh, He had 111 yards and two interceptions on 11 completions of 22 attempts. He had three rushes for 19 yards and a touchdown. So old Jameis is back, it sounds like. Throw five touchdowns one week, two interceptions the next. He's going to end up evening it out. Um... Which sucks, because I really think Jameis could be a really good quarterback if he could just stop the interceptions. Because um, the dude's got a cannon. The Cardinals were able to hold off a last-second field goal attempt by the Vikings for a 34-33 to victory. The Vikings have kicker issues yet again. Big surprise. Uh, the Falcons, boy... Are they just the Falcons? Fall to the Buccaneers, 48-25. to Two late pick sixes by the Buccaneers' defense, and I believe it was by the same guy. Um, pretty much sealed the Falcons' fate. They, they kept it close for a lot of the game, and then the Buccaneers' defense just kind of woke up and decided today was the day that the Falcons were going to lose again. So Brady has four-plus passing touchdowns in four straight games, the second longest streak since 1950. The Titans go into Seattle 
and beat the Seahawks, thank God, 33-30. to Derrick Henry had 41 touches for 237 yards and three touchdowns. That's not 41 rushes. That's touches both rushing and receiving. Uh, the Cowboys get a last-second field goal to win it off the leg of Greg Zerline from 56 yards as time expired to beat the Chargers 20-17. to And the Ravens somehow came back to beat the Chiefs 36-35. to I think the Chiefs had like a two-score lead at one point late in the game, or at least late in, sometime in the third quarter. Again, I was watching the Phillies lose at this point, so... Uh, Lamar Jackson's ninth career game with 100-plus passing yards and 100-plus rushing yards, which is the most since 1950. So, there's that. There's your uh, scores from around the league. And, oh, dang, you know what we should have done? Let's see if we can't... uh, See if we can't look at next week and see if there's uh, some matchups that we can pick. Oops. Slide. It's not wanting to... Dick. All right. Week three. All right. Ooh, Thursday night is the... Is it really Thursday night that the Panthers will go and face off against the Texans? So that'll be... It'll be kind of cool to see Sam Darnold because he looks pretty good in the clips that I've seen for the Panthers. Not great, but good. Um, Tyrod Taylor, I wonder if he's going to be back. Probably not, I would imagine. Uh, The Colts and Titans. Oh, hey, look at that. Just popped up on my phone. Tyrod Taylor, likely out weeks because of the hamstring injury that he sustained on Sunday. So Tyrod will not be playing. Um, what's, here we go, here's one. On Sunday, the Chargers and Chiefs, I think that's going to be a good game. Um, I would imagine that, uh, the Chiefs don't drop two in a row. That's just, that's what I think. I think the Chiefs come back. And handle business against the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to put up a fight. Division rivals and everything. But uh, I think the Chiefs squeak away with a win here. Uh, Bengals and Steelers. That rivalry is not as great as it used to be. Browns should easily beat up on the Bears. Ravens and Lions. That's probably going to be a win for the Ravens. Patriots and Saints, depending on which Jameis Winston you get, depends on how this game goes. You get week one Jameis, win for the Saints. You get week two Jameis, win for the Patriots. It doesn't matter what Mac Jones does. It all depends on how Jameis Winston plays for that game in order to in order for us to know who wins it. Um, and the odds are that you're going to get week two Jameis again, so Patriots are probably going to win that one. Cardinals, Jaguars, Cardinals should run away with that. Uh, the Bills invite Washington, the football team, into town. So if the Bills don't have another shutout, I'd be surprised. Uh, they should definitely just mop the floor with Washington after both of their performances, really. 
Um, the Broncos and Jets. Broncos should win it. I don't know how they would lose it. The Raiders and Dolphins. The Raiders, easy. Seahawks, Vikings. It's in Minnesota, but I think the Seahawks are going to come back after that. Uh, I just I can't trust Minnesota, especially if it comes down to like how both teams had just this past week with last-second field goal attempts. The Vikings, I don't trust their kickers. You just can't these last few years. So I think the Seahawks end up winning that one, but I think it's going to be a little close. It might come down to another last-second field goal. The Buccaneers and Rams, that'll be a good one. Um, I think that's going to be a shootout. The Packers and 49ers in San Francisco. Don't know what kind of Aaron Rodgers we're going to see yet because of... of uh, What's the word? Oh, uh, the, they're playing tonight as I'm recording this. So last night, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, so I don't know what Aaron Rodgers will show up yet. But if it's the same Aaron Rodgers from last season, then it's the Packers without question. If it's week one, it's the 49ers who are going to win two in a row. And I believe go to three and oh. So that would be three in a row. Don't mind me. I'm an idiot. And then your Monday night game will be the Eagles at the Cowboys. And boy, I just, I don't know. If Tony Pollard continues to run the way that he's ran for Dallas, they will run away with this. And if Dak keeps connecting with these young receivers the way that he's connecting, and Amari Cooper does what basically every number one receiver has done against the Eagles for the last like 10 years, and that's just make our corners look like spaghetti noodles out there, then the Cowboys can run away with this, unfortunately. The Eagles, on the other hand, if they're able to learn from the mistakes that they made this past week, then it'll definitely be a close game. Both of their defenses, I think, are pretty good. They're good enough to slow down these offenses, especially to hold the other team long enough for that their own offense to kind of get going. The Eagles aren't really known for turnovers, not the last few years anyway. So they're, at least on defense, their offense is known to turn it over a lot and just be like, here you go. Uh, We don't want to win today. So, but I think I have confidence in Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, and I think they will figure it out. I think this defense will be fine for the most part, without Brandon Graham, it's going to suck because he's so good at providing pressure. He doesn't always get sacks, but he puts pressure on the quarterback. And that's something I think they're going to severely miss. Um, also, it depends what's going on with Brandon Brooks. What are you going to do at right guard? Um, hopefully he can go next week. But if not, I'm not sure who's going to step up in his place. But four out of the five starting offensive linemen, I'm confident that one piece isn't going to really hinder things too much, and especially with the fact that Jalen Hurts can get outside of the pocket and run around. 
I think that will also help uh, tremendously against a rival in Dallas. So, yeah, those are your games next week. And like I said, I think the Eagles-Cowboys obviously being on Monday night, that's going to be a a big game to watch. The Packers-Niners on Sunday night, that's obviously going to be a big one to watch. The Packers, or the Packers, the Buccaneers and the Rams, definitely going to want to watch that because that's going to be a shootout, I think. Um, And then the only other one that I think is going to be a really good game is the Chargers and Chiefs. So that's, what, four games? that I think will be extremely entertaining. So the Titans probably should if Carson Wentz can't go. Well, really, regardless of if Carson Wentz can go or not, the Titans should be able to just run away with it, literally, with Derrick Henry running. So I think the Titans end up meeting the Colts. Um, but yeah, there's that. There's... There's this, there's that, there's everything else. And this is also another question. Dale Jarrett, going back to NASCAR because I forgot I had this pulled up, suggested that Bristol should host the championship race. And I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that because as awesome as it would be, it's better than Phoenix because I cannot stand Phoenix. I've I've made that clear on past episodes. I wish they would have left it at Homestead or they would put it at someplace like Richmond. Something like that. Even Darlington, I think it would be pretty cool. Or Charlotte. Something closer to home for these teams to celebrate. And Bristol, I don't think, is too far away. It's a very historic track. It's a track that fans and drivers both love because it kind of goes back to their roots of the short track racing. Um, I want to. I love the idea. I think it's really cool. I think they should try it once see how it goes. I think it would get a much better reception from fans and drivers alike than what Phoenix has gotten. The only real issue is the fact that it happens in November, I believe is when the end of the season is. Let's find out for sure when the last race, when the championship race actually occurs and it is November 7th so the only downside really to Bristol hosting it is it's in November which in Tennessee is typically pretty cold not like freezing cold but it's pretty chilly and you run the risk of like an early snowfall Those are really the only downsides. But the upside is so fantastic, it's hard to pass up not trying it at least one time. And I can't remember who said it, but I do agree with the fact that I think they should move it around to different tracks every year. So maybe go from like Bristol to Darlington to Charlotte 
to Richmond. Try these tracks. Don't go to Daytona or Talladega. Don't go. I don't think you should try a road course just yet as the championship race. Daytona and Talladega are two wild card race. I just leaving it up to such a, a, a chance like that where it's more so out of the driver's hands and more in, in the hands of luck, I think is, is the wrong move. So I don't think going to those two tracks should be it. Road courses, I think, eventually will be fine um, as the championship race because they're getting more and more road courses. So I think a couple years, maybe a few more years down the line, after road courses become so common that if they take one off the schedule, people will be like, whoa, what are you doing? Then maybe. But I just think... Your mile and a half to half mile. I think Martinsville would be interesting as your championship race. Uh, but again, it's going to be cold up there. But Richmond, so in Charlotte, it's not like any of these places are really warm in November. They're pretty chilly. And I think that's why they keep sticking to such so far south. But, I mean... Why not try it? I think it would be really cool. I think it'd be a really cool thing to try. And I love the idea. And I love that Dale Jarrett is wanting to see something different. He's wanting change. He's not just settled in the old ways like a lot of past drivers are where, you know, they don't want things to be different. Um but I think this would be good for everybody, the fans, the drivers, the broadcast. It would make it a lot more interesting. So, I don't know. I, th- I like the idea. I think they should at least try it. They probably won't, but I think they should. Anyway, so I've rambled and talked for long enough. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten yet since I got home, except for some snacks here. And, uh Yeah. This went, again, went longer than what I was planning on, but that's apparently what we're doing now. So anyways, that is it. Um, I lost my train of thought. There was something else I was going to say, like a plug, but I don't remember what it is now. Huh. Probably was not very important. Anyways, uh, be sure to like Follow and share the podcast if you don't already. Comment where available. Uh, you can. Uh, my Twitter handle is in the uh, description of every episode, along with TikTok and Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on all of those. Uh, you can tell me how terrible I am at posting consistently because I know I'm garbage at doing those things. And yeah. Let's spread the news that uh, NASCAR is ridiculous with their rules and other things. And fly, Eagles, fly. Don't you tell me no, Padme. I will throw you. Um, Oh, I'm under attack. So that's all I have. So I will see you all next week. Have a great rest of your day and a fantastic rest of the week.